Neither the United States of America nor the world community of nations can tolerate deliberate deception. But I welcome this kind of examination because people have got to know whether or not their presidents are crook. I did not trade arms for hostages. Welcome to Revealed, putting public records in the public eye. I'm your host, Hannah Markley, and I'm here to tell the stories that we found out the hard way through public records and FOIA requests. Today we're talking to Rebecca White, a 2018 graduate from Washington State University, about an important investigation she did as a student journalist. Not only did Rebecca use public records to identify a supervising employee who made a part of the athletics department very hostile, she also found out that the school actually paid him to leave when they fired him for his behavior. Rebecca has always been a big accountability person and has found a way to make that her career. So uh, when I was, uh, I did the, you know, community college in high school. And when I was going to community college, I did uh, a government class. And my teacher uh, made us read, you know, local and national media and, uh, you know, write stories about, you know, write essays about, uh, you know, real events using actual news organizations reporting and so um, I realized that because I always liked government but I didn't want to work in government and so it was nice to find that there was a you know place for people who are government nerds but like to write um, and be able to sort of take my issues with authority and make them useful <laughs> so that so probably yeah since high school and then I went to my local hometown newspaper and asked them if they took interns and they're like, well, we do now. Uh, so they sort of hired me as a receptionist and then eventually let me, you know, be a reporter and, you know, teach me how to write stories and stuff. When I got to WSU, thankfully, I'd already worked at a newspaper um, and already had an associate's degree. So I think I had a little bit of a different attitude going into college already having had a little bit of a real-time civics education doing, you know, I'd worked at my local paper as a reporter and, um, you know, had, which I don't think most students have watched city council before they get to college. <laughs> so had that little different perspective of already being kind of weirdly suspicious of everyone in charge of WSU. <laughs> I did every job uh, possible on the student newspaper. Uh, and after that, which that, that's probably what we'll talk about today, but, you know, after what I do now is I'm a board member of the Coalition of Open Government and a public radio, radio reporter. Rebecca said that the student newsroom was always interested in maintaining good coverage on sexual assault and Title IX cases. Rebecca was helping keep an eye on these issues and directed her research at the athletics department. So Title IX is, um, you know, when... It's basically discrimination on the basis of gender. So Title IX is that landmark law passed requiring equal, um, you know, access to our educational and public resources. So I generally, um, we had had conversations, you know, because in student media newsroom, you know, everything you do as a team, and you have a coordinated effort. And so, you know, I feel like um, on college campuses for like the last, I don't know, 10 years at least, um, how uh, sexual assault investigations are handled in Title IX cases, I think is always a topic of interest um, because I feel like, 
you know, unfortunately at colleges, half the student body probably has some story, you know, not reported or sometimes reported and um, how complicated that process is. And I'd also, you know, I think um, there wasn't a huge sort of rumors going around or anything about athletics, but I'd heard that potentially, you know, it might not be a welcoming place for everyone. And so, you know, that one was a little bit of a little bit of a fishing where I had like a hunch, but I didn't have everything. And so I don't remember exactly how I worded the request. I mean, literally the saying is follow the money because uh, so, <laughs> it works, but that I was seeking um, settlements uh, because I was like, well, if I look for settlements where they've asked someone to leave and connect it with, um, you know, specific sexual misconduct, I should hopefully be able to get a little closer to what I'm looking for without, um, you know, using a name, for example, which will tip off people um, and set off another sort of tripwire of potentially notification, uh, which also can, you know, out people because that's a tough one when you're trying to sort of get, oh, I need um, someone's specific name. Uh, without sort of exposing how I got the information. <laughs> so I sort of had to pretty narrowly tailor it without, you know, getting too broad to sort of athletics Title IX time frame to try to get the sort of information that I was looking for. And then that one came back, and I did end up writing about the settlement. The settlement that Rebecca's referring to that she got back from a response to her public records request was between Washington State University and its former associate athletic director, John Lucier. Rebecca's article on that settlement is in the show notes, but essentially, in exchange for promising not to sue over his termination, the university gave Lucier $31,000, a letter of recommendation, and a promise not to give out any specifics about his termination to anybody who asked. Generally, in athletics, there's a lot of sort of settlements for various reasons, paying people not to work. Um, and, you know, I also have always been a little bit frustrated with um, how universities spend their money generally uh, and, uh, you know, how settlements work and allow people to sort of keep things quiet and go on and still get this sort of letter of recommendation and just keep doing the same things elsewhere. But Rebecca knew it was more than that. It wasn't just your average paying out someone with her hard-earned tuition dollars. There was something else going on. You know, when I first public records requested um, um, the actual settlement, it didn't say um, anything in the actual settlement about what um, the uh, what the actual things that he had said and done. Just the the in the in the, the way that it was filed and stored and, you know, all the other data that might not be on the actual document itself, but there's a lot of data in a, in a piece of, in a document that maybe not, is not on it, but, you know, the, what it's named and those types of things where I was like, this relates, because of all the data around this document, I know it relates to sexual misconduct um, or, you know, sexual language. Um, and so I wrote something about that and several months passed and I didn't really hear anything. And then I got um, a phone call from someone who, you know, was like, I'm really glad to see that person gone, but it drove me crazy how little accountability there was besides him just getting to leave with a bunch of money <laughs> uh, after making so many people so uncomfortable for so many years um, and creating an atmosphere of fear. And it has just 
really driven me crazy to see that. And so I have a copy that I was able to get of the investigation. And if you meet up with me, I can give you a printed copy. Um, you just can't say where it came from, blah, blah, blah. I just need people to know, you know, about um, how many people were hurt by this. So in response to Rebecca's first story, somebody came forward to tell her that there were more records that she could have. More records that would have details about how this behavior had impacted those around the athletics department and that would be of use and interest to the people that are paying tuition there. I, you know, met up with him, got the records, you know, made a second copy um, to make sure that I had, you know, official backup of that and did my best to sort of contact everyone involved, you know, as much as I could to try to notify them. You know, I didn't get this through a public records request, so you probably wouldn't know that I'm writing about this and you need to know uh, just in case you need to protect yourself um, or, you know, you're, you're worried about backlash or something and to give you the opportunity to participate if you want. Because uh, also, if I would have gotten through a public records request, they would have found out. Um, and also, you know, reach out to Mr. Lucier himself to give him the opportunity and he, um, I don't believe, was interested, though I was never able to actually speak with him or have a response from him. What that report showed after the break. Hey y'all, I hope you're enjoying the show. I got involved with Open Records because of my time on the board with the Washington Coalition for Open Government. WashCog is an incredible organization. They only have one employee and a board of really active volunteers. If you could help support the mission of Washington Coalition for Open Government, I would really appreciate it. See a link in the podcast notes. So after Rebecca released her first story, someone came forward and told her that they had a copy of the report created by the athletic department when they investigated Mr. Lucier's behavior. That report was pretty eye-opening. Yeah, so what I got a copy of was the findings and the final report um, of that. So that's usually what comes out is a final report. The final report detailed complaints from a few people, both men and women, who felt like Mr. Lucier's view of the role of people of different sexes in the workplace was not only affecting them personally, but also violated the law. He would make pretty inappropriate comments about her appearance um, on a regular basis and just, uh, you know, a very gendered bullying um, is what he was accused of, like making comments on what she would wear to work um, and her demeanor and just a lot of things that she could not change about herself um, and should not have to, to, you know, be able to go into work. And then also there was another issue of gender-based uh, discrimination of a specific incident involving paternity leave um, that, you know, in the report that I read that he had beliefs about what men and women's roles are in a marriage and in a relationship and um, in raising children and did not believe that uh, men should be at home with their raising their children that should be at work and so uh, was giving uh, you know a male employee who wanted paternity leave some issues because um, he did not believe that's what men should be doing. And when Rebecca says giving this guy a hard time, she doesn't mean just disagreeing with his life choices. 
She means, as his employer, causing problems for his guaranteed leave. He also didn't exactly handle these confrontations or disagreements in a professional manner. Uh, and just saying a lot of words that are pretty offensive towards them, about them, that are just not appropriate, you know, in a workplace environment. So he's calling men pussies, which is like a gendered way to talk about other men. Just problems with women having authority. Now, I do have to say, you know, allegedly, you know, for most of it, because I know some of those things were substantiated, um, but, you know, also there is that. Uh, it's, it's, I wasn't there. I didn't really see it. All I can do is read reports after it happens. But Rebecca wasn't the only person to read that report and to rely on it in deciding what to do next. Then it becomes the university's job to decide what they're going to do with the report's findings. After the report found that he had violated Title IX, the university made an unfortunately common decision. You know, then the administrators have the report and then they make a decision on it, and their decision was to buy out his contract, uh, which the remainder of his contract for that year was, you know, that 31 thousand I believe and sign the you know um agreement where I which I forgot this was a part of the agreement that he will no longer um be eligible to work at Washington State University in the future so we cannot you know get $31,000 and then come back <laughs> so he cannot return and he did end up working for you know another university um and he, so he's still in higher education just not at Washington State <laughs> You know, in that situation, when I read over it, and I'm like, that's a really long time for people to see this happening and just allow it to continue. Um, and also, he's the one that got paid, not the other way around. So no. I don't know how much accountability I would really call that. Right? No. Um, if, you know, the people who reported it, you know, just were able to continue in their workplace. Um, and, yeah, so that was one of those situations where... I wanted to look, find a way to look into the, the way the university resolves these issues um, or doesn't. And so, you know, the, the settlement was like the way I had to, to approach it and to track it down. Help me understand why the university did pay money to Mr. Lucier. You know, that was one of those things that it was really challenging to get the university to talk to me about, but settlements are pretty normal. Right, but since he was the one accused of doing something wrong, why did he get money from the school? It potentially, um, if he has a contract with them, um, and which a lot of people in athletics management do sign contracts when they, you know, sign on for various reasons. Uh, if they had an end date for when his separation was supposed to happen and it was before that. I believe in the contract there was also a um, most uh, university employment uh, there's some sort of non-disparagement uh, or some version of that. Um, not quite an NDA but um, kind of similar. Uh, in a lot of the settlement and separation agreements there's usually some form of disparagement or speaking about the university or speaking about your time um, at college. And so that is very possibly also part of it is $31,000 in exchange for never speaking about this again. <laughs> 
but I can't say, you know, that's for sure why they did that, because settlements is something that um, universities do not discuss. So are settlements pub public records? Yes, um, almost always. Um, and a lot of times, you don't even always have to public records request them, because um, if you, you know, no one is coming up and you just, you know, go to an open public meeting, uh, a lot of them are bigger than $31,000. Uh, a lot of times if it's over $50,000, usually they'll vote on it at a public meeting and you can often get a copy of it there. Um, uh, I, I feel like universities are the one place where that's usually more complicated, though, because, you know, Board of Regents are not super friendly uh, to um, accountability or outside eyes and, and that type of thing. And so you might have to work a little bit harder and, and try to get a public records request and go through the rigmarole sometimes of, um, you know, people who aren't necessarily used to a lot of public records requests of that nature. So most places, I feel like it's easier to see those pass through the public eye, but I feel like the university is where it's a little bit more opaque and I feel like especially in athletics where there's just so much money pouring through constantly you know what's $31,000 um to you know the university that's used to you know pouring millions into its personnel in athletics. Do you know what tuition is at WSU? Mm, when I was there it was, was it 10000 a year. semester? A semester. So $31,000 is a student. Yes, it is a literal student. And yeah, I feel like part of the reason what, you know, I've always been so invested in what, you know, my university uh, spends its money on and, you know, the fees, uh, especially the fees that go to athletics, um, uh, is because, you know, I went to WSU on uh, loans and um, I got some scholarships, but the scholarships mostly paid for my housing, um, and my food, and, I, you know, I'm still paying money off on, uh, how much it costs me to go to university. So every time I see sort of, um, you know, settlements or, um, you know, frivolous sort of athletics arm race type of behavior going on, it's really frustrating to, to me to see that, you know, when I'm still paying for my education, which I think was a great education, but it's hard to see sort of, um, you know, how much I struggled in college to, to work, um, and, you know, to, to sort of how behind I am now in some of those life things because of the loans that I have, um, and sort of see money go to these types of things. Um, so that, that definitely, I feel like, motivates <laughs> still some of the public records requests I make when I think about um, how students' money is, is being used in this and, and the fact that, you know, uh, at WSU, athletic debt is, a, is an ongoing problem. Um, and so just that the sort of money management and personnel decisions that are publicly funded. Rebecca is kind of laughing this off and being polite and professional in this interview. But after having spent an hour or so talking to her about this case, it's clear that she really cares about where tuition dollars are spent and that she's frustrated with paying off a guy to leave for misbehaving in the workplace with her hard-earned tuition dollars. This is what Rebecca's passionate about. 
And whatever you're passionate about could probably benefit from some sunshine too. Think about making public records requests or a FOIA request on an issue that matters to you and see what you find and then tell me about it. Listen to the other episodes at listentoreveal.com. Thanks for listening.